What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast here at City Hope Church. This is podcast. a continuation of really our small group series, but it's uh, we're finished up with the book, Clay. We got all the way through it. Did we get through that? We did. Wow. So you, the viewer, can go back and you can listen. The viewer, you're not viewing anything. You're listening to us. You can go back and listen to um, the previous ones we done uh Throughout the entire book, we covered each chapter, each value in detail, uh, broke it up into a couple different parts. So go back and check those out if you have not done so. Today, well, we finished up talking with about power, living a spirit-led life. And so today we're going to just spend some time answering a few questions and really just talking about the gifts of the spirit. And we're on plan, so we're yeah. going to... We're just going to let the spirit lead this conversation, and it may go a little lengthy, but we don't have any any book um readings this week so yeah it's good just podcast one thing i think clay just to start i want to encourage everybody so just what i felt as we were leading up to this podcast is we all bring with us to the table uh, a variety of different experiences when it comes to spiritual gifts uh, or when it comes to you know being in church services where things got crazy or things happened you didn't quite understand and it's uh or nothing happened at all yeah or yeah maybe there's zero understanding or you don't you know just kind of prefer have preferred not to talk about it or or whatever the case is no no matter where you are on your walk with with spiritual gifts let us all just kind of put our guard down and allow the holy spirit to um speak to us in a way that that brings clarity and brings um first corinthians 12 um, Paul talks quite a bit about spiritual gifts, and one of the main things he talks about is really unity. Um, you know, and and really, in the first verse there, he says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant." And so, with all these things, there we we should seek them out. We should learn. We should allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And it's because, uh, you know, they're for us. They're gifts for us to to strengthen one another, to help one another. Um, but again, for, for whatever reason, it's, uh, spiritual gifts are a topic of quite a bit of debate, um, different viewpoints, different thoughts. And, uh, yeah, it can, can get a little tricky there. So just, just be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and to, to teach you a few things and grow you into it. Yeah. So where you want to start, Jeremy? You lead me. Okay. I'll lead you. So let's just read these verses real quick, and then we'll go from there. Maybe jump into a few questions. First, First Corinthians 12, this starting in verse 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So there's kind of like a list of the spiritual gifts, but let me just ask you, Clay, like like with these gifts, what's the, what's the purpose of the gifts? What are the gifts like? Um, and why is it that it's so, cause when you, at, at first glance, when you read that, it's like, okay, these are some, some wonderful things the Lord wants to give us, uh, for, for people to help people. And so, 
but it can quickly get messy. Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, the, the basic message of Christianity is that Jesus saves. And when Jesus came on the scene, he saved people from a lot of things. His name, Yeshua, meant Yahweh is salvation. That's what, that's what his name is. And so in the Greek language, you have soteria, sozo. Sozo is the word that we translate saved, but oftentimes in the New Testament, it's not, it's not, we use it in American Christianity in the sense of we got saved and that means we're going to heaven when we die. The word is used in the New Testament a lot to mean that it's used in context when Jesus heals somebody miraculously, when he casts a demon out of somebody, your faith has sozoed you. Your faith has made you whole. It's made you complete. It has restored you. It has healed you. It has delivered you. It has set you free. So Jesus saving us, yes, he saves us from sin. Uh, we did this back in the gospel. He saves us from sin, death, hell, uh, Satan, all, all those things. But the way that he saved so many people was not just from sin through his death on the cross. That was the climax. That was the most important, biggest thing. Yeah. But in his ministry on earth, he saved people from all sorts of different things. And if you notice, he used spiritual gifts in his own life to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Mm. Okay, so, you know, I was watching, man, it was awesome, too, The Chosen the other day, uh, and I probably season two or something, um, but it, it was it was the part where um you know philip is going i think in in john john chapter one ish to go get his friend nathaniel and you know he comes to jesus and jesus said i saw you under the fig tree and then you read that in john and um and when you read that in john you it doesn't seem that very climactic, but they build it up in the show so well because he's crying under that fig tree, man, because he's an architect. He's lost everything. He said, God, I was doing this for you, and he's weeping, and he burns the architectural plans, and he's, he's praying, and he's quoting Scripture to pray, and he's weeping before God, and he says to God, do you even see me? Hmm. And then his friend Philip is telling him, uh, you know, listen, this dude's the Messiah. you got to come and see him. And, and he doesn't believe it, but when he comes and sees him, Jesus meets him, and he's mm. having this conversation with him, and he, and, he, and he says to him, you know, I saw you under the fig tree. And so it meant everything to him in that moment. He said, surely, you know, you are the Son of God. Yeah. That's a word of knowledge. Yeah. Jesus had a revelation. And see, now when we, when we think about those things, we think, well, that's the stuff that Jesus does. Yeah. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, the context is what? the body of Christ. That means that we, the church, are to continue Jesus' works and we are to be anointed with the Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus was individually. We are to be corporately. And so the Holy Spirit d distributes these gifts to us corporately. He doesn't just make it like we're, we're all flawed and messed up and broken. So like we're not all functioning on the level of Jesus, obviously. Right. But as individuals dependent upon one another, we can function as Jesus in a church body mm -hmm. to, to minister word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of healing, yeah. the, these types of different things in the body. So ultimately, it is for the salvation of other people. It's, 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 for the, it's a signpost of the coming kingdom. So through spiritual gifts, God is continuing to let his kingdom break in among us so that people could come to the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
they could be equipped and encouraged. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 12, one of the big things that he says is the uses of the spiritual gifts is is to edify the body, yeah. like to build to build up one another up. To, like I mean, we need strengthened, we need encouraged, we need comforted, and we need something that's going to fuel the fire and stoke the fire of our hearts to continue to do Jesus' ministry that he left us here to do. Yeah. We're here to continue this ministry, and so the spiritual gifts are what the Spirit gives us to continue to uh, to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, and so let me ask you. So a lot, some people think that like spiritual gifts have ceased mm-hmm. or stopped, right? Like they don't necessarily believe that they're they're for us. Yeah, right now, what's up with that? Uh, you know, let me let me recommend a book to you. Understanding Spiritual Gifts by Sam Storms. There's he, he He's written two. There's one of them that's a comprehensive guide, and I'm telling you, it is comprehensive. It's a big book. He actually does an entire chapter, well, two, two different chapters. One chapter is in support of cessationism, and he breaks down all the arguments. And he he's like a... He's like a charismatic Calvinist. This guy is, and his and he's extremely intelligent. Like he do, he and I may have a few subtle differences in in what we believe, but but he's he does a great job in laying it out. So if you really want to d- dive in, I would dive into that because he's going to lay out like arguments for cessationism and then arguments for continuationism, which means that the gifts still happen yeah. today. Now, he's clearly a continuationist. He believes that the gifts are still for today, all of them. And the truth is, what I found is, even in denominations where uh, cessationism was a lot more prevalent, it it's getting less and less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And cessationism exists in denominations overseas like almost never. Yeah, it's it, It's a Western thing because we rely so much on academia, and intellectual, um, you know, it's 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 like we we weigh in so much. We don't believe in the supernatural over here in the West. Yeah. So we just leave it off, and we think everything is just a, a doctrine without power. And like we said, we love doctrine, but good doctrine actually leads you into experience with mm-hmm. with God, and 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 power experiences. Yeah. Good doctrine should do that. Um, Good doctrine shouldn't leave you without encounters with God. Yeah, biblically, there you don't have anybody that ever had a relationship with God where there wasn't some sort of like raw encounter with power. Yeah, and just to de- once again to define that, since yeah, since, I, yeah, it just means to I rattle on. No, uh, it, it just means that yeah, it means cessationists that, believe that the gifts have stopped. Yeah, they stopped. So basically, that they believe that the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we're here with the apostles. The apostles were given a very specific mandate, and so yeah. and so you know the twelve apostles and then Paul uh, are given a very specific mandate, and it's the launching of the church. Yeah. And so Jesus basically did miracles not for people; he did miracles so people would know he was God. Right. And then the apostles come along, and they need those miracles too, in order to make sure the gospel spreads. But then once scripture was written, we don't need those things anymore. And and so now it's spreading and the gifts have they ceased yeah. somewhere yeah. around that. And and they really only have one scripture verse to back that up with, and it's and it's I should probably read it just so you're aware of cessationism where the language comes from. 
But you got First Corinthians twelve lists the spirit gifts of the spirit. First uh, Corinthians thirteen talks about love. He says, um, you know, it, this is the most important thing, obviously. And then he says in First Corinthians thirteen verse eight, he says, love never fails, but wh- whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And there's yeah. that word of, of cessationism. Yeah. Uh, and whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Notice what he says here. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And and so here's the thing. They they will argue that the perfect is scripture being written, but it's clear and the vast, vast majority, like with the exception of John MacArthur, and just for people who know, if you actually go to seminary, you can't quote John MacArthur because he's not considered academic. So I'm just saying, I'm not trying to bash Johnny. Like he's a good Bible teacher. I only disagree with him on a couple points on like his – you know, and I'm getting too heady if I go that route, but I disagree with him on his dispensationalism and the fact that he believes that all the gifts have ceased. But see, the fact of the matter is a lot of people even in his camp don't believe that anymore. Right. There's so many Reformed Calvinist groups of people who are clearly aware that if you read that scripture, what it means is the perfect that which comes is the return of the Lord Jesus, where everything is established in fullness. Because now we prophesy in part, now we receive knowledge in part, but then we shall know even as we are fully known. Right. right. Then you don't need a heavenly language, uh, you know, to pray in the spirit or whatever, because you will be in heaven. Yeah. And and then then you'll have full knowledge, and you won't need a prophetic word because all things will be fulfilled, and nobody will even need to be encouraged anymore. Yeah. Because you'll be living in a state of absolute bliss and fulfillment. So the perfect that comes, he even says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. That's not a Bible. That's a person. Mm. That's Jesus. Yeah. So it's the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the telos in the Greek. It is the end, the culmination of all things. Yeah. And so then the only thing that will remain is love. Yeah. Faith over. I mean, that's what I pick up when I read that. Yeah, faith, I don't think like, oh, the perfect. They're talking about the Bible here. Well, you, you have to do, in my opinion, and I, again, I want to be, be gentle and generous to those who disagree with me because I am not right all the time. And I can be wrong. I want to be generous, but but to me, you have to do a lot of biblical gymnastics and some backflips to come up with the fact, like to find an argument that yeah. says, "Hey, yeah. God doesn't do this stuff through people anymore." Right. But that's just again, yeah. My no, that's that's good because that's good. because I want to be gentle because I know not everybody believes that. Yeah. And I know, and and I don't want it to be become a dividing line between me and other people just because they disagree with my viewpoint on that. I think I do think that we're dealing with a secondary issue. To me, it's important, but I've probably received more kickback as a Bible teacher around these conversations than any other thing by far. Yeah. Um, and it's just so there's a lot of. But, but I think it's good for us to have conversations, and it's good for me to hear. That's why I will read commentaries by people who I disagree with. Like, I'll read John MacArthur's commentary or his books on what he thinks on, on this issue or that issue. I know what he, I know what he says. Mm. I know what his commentary mm. says. I've thought through it. 
I've thought, could I be wrong in this area? Yeah. And I think that's important for us all to do. We don't just want to accept what we've always believed and say this is the right way because right. I read one guy. Yeah. Read a few different guys. See, get it. There's a book called Four Views on Gifts of the Spirit, I think, out there, or, or Four Four Views on uh, Charismata or something like that. I can't remember the name of the book, but you can look at different views and see what people believe, yeah. and you're, you're going to gain a deeper understanding of why people believe what they do. And then, of course, your biblical interpretation and your experience that God's given you, you know, is going to lead you down the path of, well, this is, this is what we see to be true. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I, that's a, that's a really good point. I think one of the first times I think I did that is uh, we read a book called, uh, uh, sinners in the hands of a loving God. Is that yeah. the name of it? Yeah. By Brian Zahn. Yeah. And it, it, there was a lot of parts in there where I, at the end of it, I was like, because most, most of the time up to that point, I feel like I had read things and I'd just taken them as authority and, like, shaping the way I think. Yeah. But in that moment, like, I, were, I was reading things and I was like, no, I don't I don't agree with that. And so, like, throughout the entirety of the book, there was a lot of good points, but there were some things I was like, Clay, yeah. I don't agree with this guy on this. Yeah. And so it actually solidified my beliefs even stronger in terms of what I actually believe about yes. things. Well, what has authority in our lives if we're studying is, one, the Scripture. Yeah. Okay. Two, the Holy Spirit who illuminates the Scripture goes hand in hand with that. But we all know that two good Christian men can sit down and read a chapter of Scripture and get two different interpretations. Right. And that's why we have the thousands of denominations that we do. Uh, but... Another thing for me, this this is a big, this is a life changer for me, and I get that not everybody's going to sit around and read church history, but but I, when it comes to a biblical issue, I want to read this text itself, and first and foremost, I want to pray through it before I ever read commentaries or anything like that. I would pray through it myself and say, God, what are you saying here? Mm. What do you, what do you, what is this? What what are you teaching out of this? Okay, then I'll pick up my own impressions from what I believe to be the Holy Spirit. But because I don't want to go into error, you know, on my interpretation of Scripture, I will personally look at what are other commentators that we know are are good, solid Bible teachers, and they've been backed by other good, solid teachers. And I'm going to say, what do they think? What's their view? And then I'm going to go back into church history. I want to mm-hmm. know what Origen and Tertullian thought about it in the year 100. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I want to know what Augustine thought about it in the year 300. I want to know what Martin Luther thought about it in the 1500s. And then I want to know what the movements were, the modern movements were concerning these scriptures. I, you know, if you're going to bring pre-trib rapture to me, let's find out historically where it came from, who believed it, did they believe it back in the year 500. That's, that's my thing. Again, I know not everybody's going to do that. But my point is, that's one of the things that, that Sam Storms does in his book, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, is he's going to break down historically miracles that happened, what people believed. And there have been many people throughout history, like, for example, I think it's hilarious because Charles Spurgeon, you know, has been a big Reformed preacher that everybody quote, everybody quotes Charles Spurgeon, like mm-hmm. all the time, right? And Charles Sp- Spurgeon was a known like cessationists, it did, he didn't it didn't believe that the gifts were still for today. But he was a praying man. He was a powerful preacher. And in the book, one of the things that he talks about is is that he talks he he writes about in some of his publications. He tells of these incidents in his sermons where he would pause and point and he point out pointed out a man specifically who he accused of taking an unjust profit on Sunday. 
And here's what the culprit later described in an event to a friend, if I can read this. He said, Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he knew me, and in his sermon he pointed to me and told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays, and I did, sir. I should not have minded that, but he also said that I took nine pence the Sunday before and that there was four pence profit out of it. I did take nine pence that day, and four pence was just the profit. But how he should know that, I could not tell. Then it struck me that it was God who had spoken to my soul through him, so I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first, I was afraid to go again to hear him, lest he should tell the people more about me. But afterwards, I went, and the Lord met with me and saved my soul. Hmm. So Charles, and, then, and it goes on to say, Spurgeon added this comment. He said, I could tell as many as a dozen similar cases in which I pointed at somebody in the hall without having the slightest knowledge of the person or any idea that what I said was right, except that I believed I was moved by the Spirit to say it. Yeah, he was that, functioning in a yeah, spiritual he, 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 Doctrinally, he was a cessationist. Practically, he was a continuationist yeah. because he's functioning in the word of knowledge, and he has knowledge that he would not know unless it's given to him by the Spirit. And then he acknowledges, all I know is the Spirit yeah. was leading me to do this because I didn't have knowledge otherwise. Yeah. Word of knowledge. Yeah. Booyah. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, if Spurgeon's doing it, yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, so let's jump into a couple things here. So talking about, we've discussed a lot, but getting into some, some practical things, I guess, for us. like, um, And I've, I've, we've had a couple questions um, from different folks, and I'm just going to kind of read some of those, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But So with all this, I'm going to ask you a multiple multiple questions. How do you know what your your gift is? Like as a Christian, uh, do do you have like do we have like a uh, as individuals do we have a specific gift just for us? Um, is it um, you know how how do we go through the process? I guess of receiving it. Like how does that apply to us? Like what are the the steps? I guess we could take to 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 walking into these spiritual gifts and and beginning to to practice them or you know. Yeah, one of them, or you know, or we can we receive them all, or is there just one, or how do we decipher the difference? I don't, maybe yeah, that's too give, much. Give me, yeah, give me the first the first part of that question. How do you know what your, gift, your is? gift is? Um, okay, so you know, one of the things we do in next steps is we break down because of the the Bible talks about different gifts in First Corinthians twelve specifically. It's what we call. Uh, spiritual spiritual gifts is what, or the should say gifts of of the Holy Spirit because you have other gifts like we, we we see the gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ I should say the ministry gifts in Ephesians 5 it says that he has ascended on high he's led captivity captive he gave gifts unto men he gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the working of the ministry so there's the fivefold ministry those are the callings of the Lord. Romans 12, you have some other gifts. It talks about it talks about prophecy or giving or administration, right? And those those are more like um, those are those are kind of ministry gifts. And a lot of times, these are things that can be innate within a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. That aren't necessarily like a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but they're innate within a person, and God brings those out, and they're developed. A person can have a gift of mercy. Uh, they're just a compassionate person. Mm. A person can have, um, a, like we said, a gift of giving or administration. And, then, and there's a few other 
a few others lifted in there, a gift of exhortation. Like I always tell people in that, that I feel like naturally you have the gift of exhortation and encouragement mm. because just naturally you come in with an upbeat spirit and an upbeat heart and it's tied into who you are and your personality. And you naturally see, like you don't have to have a manifestation of the spirit to encourage me in the morning. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's just in it's just in you, and so he says if you if you have those giftings, you want to use that. You want to look seek to excel in those natural giftings. Yeah. But in First Corinthians 12, we're actually talking about something different because these are manifestation gifts. First Corinthians 12:7 says, "But the manifestation of the Spirit." The Greek word there is phanerosis, and it and it it means like that something that was once hidden just becomes open. But, but see, here's what's interesting. Manifestation there is a word that can be used even with like demon spirits. Like if, it, like, a, like if we were to say a demon manifested, it was hidden. People didn't know it was there. And then all of a sudden it comes out right. and names itself and it becomes clear. Uh, so there, there are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Like when we talk about revival, for example, you know, somebody sent me a question or, or a comment the other day about about when I was talking about the Hebrides revival and how this boy who had been in prayer just comes out in public, clasps his hands together and says, Father, and the power of God just hits the building. That's a manifestation mm. of the presence of God. Yeah. Like you feel it, you're aware of it. And so when, oftentimes when we talk about the manifestation of the Spirit, you know, we'll talk about, and, and so many people function and don't even realize. Like if you're in a small group, for example, and then all of a sudden you just, you feel your heart beating a little bit. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I think I need to say something or I need to share my testimony. That's the spirit of God. Yeah. Like that's the base level of, of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Because what, what you're doing is you're feeling, you're feeling led and compelled to, to act on something. Mm. And so you're, you're starting to function in the gifts of the Spirit as soon as you sense the Holy Spirit kind of manifesting himself on you. Your heart's pounding, your head gets hot, your ears get well, whatever, and you just know, oh, I need to speak. Well, on its most basic level, really, right there, you're functioning in the gifts of the Spirit. He's moving you to be a witness. He's moving you to say something. And from that spiritual manifestation, you can start to dive into the deeper aspects of, of maybe other gifts of the spirit that might be available in that moment and and so i'll say this how do i know what my gift is you know because i don't it's very difficult because these are not your gifts these are the gifts of the holy spirit who distributes who distributes these gifts to each one individually as he desires so I don't get to pick when the gift of healing happens. I don't get to pick when the gift of tongues happens. I don't get to pick when prophecy takes place. The only thing that I can do is earnestly desire them, mm. pray for them, and say, God, use me. I'm open to you. And then wait upon the Lord to come upon me in a manifestation to use me in that gift. And then it's it's for me to learn to, to, to discern yeah. what is it what is he moving me to do in this point mm -hmm. and so you know a, a, a person with with the gift of a word of knowledge just like uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon was talking about there all of a sudden you just feel strongly impressed mm -hmm. that I have I know this yeah I just know this and it's within you 
And and you, and you, and sometimes when the word of knowledge happens, honestly, you have to take a big leap of faith because you're like, is this me or is this God? Right. And my my answer to people about that is it's both. Yeah. It's never not going to be you because you're in the you're in the you're in the equation. Yeah. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. God's going to use you. He ain't going to take over your body to where you black out and say what just happened. You have to yield to the spirit, and when you get impressions from him, you have to act upon it with your will. You can say no. Uh, yeah, you can quench. I mean, th- that point right there is probably the biggest thing that um, kind of got me over the hump with all this. And so I'll just I'll just quickly share my journey into like spiritual gifts real quick, just uh, yeah. because I think it's it's like it's what people are wondering, like how do we go about seeking this out? I met you through small group, and it was it we when I came. I think you were going through spiritual gifts uh, somewhere around that time. So I was learning about those things. Um, we had we talked a lot about tongues, uh, interpretation, all that stuff. And so basically what I began to do in that time was just pray and be open. I was like, Lord, I don't fully understand a lot of these things, but I desire what you have for me. Um, I'm open to it. And I remember very specifically there was a small group, and from the moment it started, like you said, it was like heart pounding. I was sweating, knees shaking, and at the end, I knew I, I was supposed to, to like have a I, I, I had a word in tongues. Yeah, but I didn't do it. How'd you know it? I, I just <laughs> yeah, I just I felt like okay, this is this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Right, and I, I mean I was. Shaking uncontrollably because in your mind you're wrestling with it the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the whole for like an hour. Yeah, and I didn't say any. I didn't do it. Yeah, because I I, w- I was confused about it still. And so after small group, I asked you. I was like, I really feel like I was supposed to do this, but I don't. I, but I feel like it, I feel like it was just me. And that's when you told me, well, it is you, but you're also it's God too. And right. there's you know you don't you're not just gonna black out and lose all control. Yeah. And so I I was like, Lord, if you if that if that was you. I know. Well, I know it was him. I was like, "Give that back to me. I'm open to it. I won't quench it anymore." Yeah. And so I think it was either the very next week or the week after. Same thing happened, and I opened my mouth. Yeah. And I and I and I gave a word in tongues, and I think you had the interpretation, and it was a it was a, a beautiful thing. There was nothing strange about it. There was nothing. I mean, obviously, it was other than it being a, it, another language. Yeah. It, it's it's odd in that case, you know. You, and that's one thing, honestly, I love about that in particular is because it 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 forces the my understanding <laughs> and my like my mental capacity to try to like put like a, a a theological definition to everything or like this little you know we have to define everything perfectly and why this happened what that is and explain this here it just like it shut all that off i just knew i felt god it was a, a great moment it was orderly mm-hmm. and it was good and that's only happened to me a few times but that was kind of my i guess my process into spiritual gifts and um and so yeah but again, it may not be tongues for some people. Usually, I think I'll just go ahead and say this too. I usually I think when when you hear the word spiritual gifts or that terminology, most people's mind go to speaking in tongues. Right. It's like the most um, like if you if you have a word of knowledge for somebody or a word you know people or something like that, pe- that. Yeah, it's not it's not even questionable. But when that happens, it like it really throws people off. And um, and 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 then the other thing too is if you come from like a strong 
background where there where people were against the gifts of the Spirit altogether, one of the things that they really hate is people saying, well, the Lord told me. And i got to be honest with you. I hear people say the Lord told me a lot when probably the Lord didn't tell them. Yeah. So I would encourage, like, strong caution on that, you know. Yeah. Strong caution um, on, on, well, the Lord told me this. Lord, I've, I've heard some people say to me recently, the Lord told me, and I'm thinking, I know the Lord didn't tell you that. Yeah. You know, there was a co- so, so people get freaked out about that, and I think you do have to be careful with the Lord told me. We want to ground everything in Scripture, but that's also why in 1 Corinthians 14, like Paul is going to give some guidelines. Yeah. Literally, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you see the, the power of the gifts, you see love, and then you see order and operation in yeah. 14. 1 Corinthians 14, so there's power, there's love, and then there's a sound mind. Yeah. Because you need the opposite of order with it. Yeah, the opposite side of that is you may come from a background where it's like spiritual gifts are like a a big thing, like speaking in tongues, church services going crazy. and, and, and Well, and that's what he was dealing with in, in, in Corinth was they had basically a full contact Pentecost church yeah. i mean everybody would come together and everybody was speaking in tongues yeah. and he was trying to reel them in into an order yeah. of how it should function and operate yeah and one thing before we started recording i think that's that's worth mentioning is is just because you've been to a, a service or just because you've seen someone going crazy or shouting the house down or whatever doesn't necessarily mean it was god or it was a spiritual gift like like I could go crazy sitting here right now. Was, the, was there a um, question involved with that? Y- yeah, so... Which you don't necessarily have to... Yeah, it it basically revolved around, um, you know, a, a, a person who essentially um, was essentially not living for the Lord, clearly involved in some things. Um, that that not, wasn't necessarily the Christian life, or had you know yeah. the term like backslidden or or whatever have you, and then all of a sudden you just come in to church service, and then boom, things you know go crazy. And so I, I guess that question kind of revolved around too, like the the process of like like with these gifts, um, is is the Lord just going to hit you with with yeah. one regardless of where you are in your walk with Him? Is it or is it is it something like we have to like like we mentioned you need to desire it, you need to seek it out i think that's a process a part of it too but i think people have seen and had negative experiences and and and, and is is getting so so here's another thing and see this is this is why this is such a tough topic topic because literally i've had conversations with a pentecostal who is who is using language for one thing and then I've had con- uh, conversations with somebody who comes from the opposite end of the spectrum, like a Reformed Presbyterian or something, who's using language for similar language, and they're talking about two completely different things. So, like, if you go into a Pentecostal church and and people are, are throwing down and getting wild and shaking and speaking in tongues type thing, like, they'll use the language of they got the Holy Ghost. Right. Well, the Reformed Presbyterians over here saying, what do you mean you've got the Holy Ghost? If you've been saved, you've always had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you since salvation. Yeah. And and the truth is, on that particular instance, the language is better for the Reformed Presbyterian. Yeah. Uh, 
because what you mean in the Pentecostal circle is there was a manifestation of the Spirit, somebody felt something, and their response to that was to what they call shout, which is really do some like sort of dance or shake or gyration, and then speak in tongues. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't like re-get the Holy Ghost. They experienced a manifestation of right. the Spirit. Right. And they responded to it. And often they respond culturally. Like one person literally who hasn't grown up in that environment and learned how to shout properly may experience a manifestation of the Spirit and just sit in a pew and cry. Mm-hmm. You know, but once they find out it's actually cool to get up and shout and speak in tongues m- more, and there's pressure to do that, you're, you're going to find that stuff happening much more. And that's why my, my I've been around all of it, and I'm fine, and I'm good with all of it. If I was going to choose a church, I would personally like one with more activity than with less. But that's just me. And and the thing about me is, is I'm willing to sacrifice all my preferences on the altar of what is best for the kingdom of God to advance. Mm-hmm. Period. So, uh, all that being said, yeah, like, like, you know, and pe- people get tore up about it. Like, for example, somebody, I remember somebody legitimately operating in a, in a gift of the Spirit whenever they were first, they had gotten saved, they were slowly growing in the Lord, they operated in a gift of the Spirit, and somebody was like, well, man, I, I know that person, and I just, like, they don't. You know, I don't feel like they read the Bible and pray a lot, and they're they're sometimes a little bit mean or whatever. Yeah. And and I just don't think the Lord would have used them in that. Well, number one, you ain't the Lord, okay. Number two, the gifts of the Spirit are charismata. They are charis is grace. They're grace gifts. They are graciously given mm. through no mm. real merit of our own. God doesn't use you in spiritual gifts because you're awesome or you're more holy. He uses you because you got a relationship with him. I do think there is a level of trust involved. I think sometimes the Lord uses people in gifts of the Spirit in his mercy. I think sometimes he uses them more frequently because they do grow in it. Mm -hmm. And and he does have a relationship with them. And he can trust them with that gift. And I think we've seen throughout history people who have been spiritually gifted in such strong ways that it actually ends up becoming a downfall fall to them because they get lifted up in pride uh that's one of the things with tongues like people will start speaking in tongues and get lifted up in spiritual pride and it's the opposite of what a spiritual gift should do for you yeah it should bring you into a place of humility so so there's people that uh but then but then on, on the other hand i will say this like you know you go to a church service where people are shouting and speaking in tongues and honestly they could go out that night and be be doing drugs and committing adultery honestly Mm -hmm. because because speaking in tongues is not a current indicator of your spiritual fruit anybody can do it anybody can fake it Mm. for that matter i've seen plenty of people fake it and but when it becomes cult when it becomes culturally like it's a very big spiritual thing for you to speak in tongues you know if we put pressure on that one you know, several things could happen. One, a lot of people would probably leave because they're just like, we ain't taking pressure to speak in tongues right. like that because we don't like it and we don't want it. But two, you know, the people who jumped in and were like, yeah, man, we love tongues. Well, then what you'd see is slowly but surely within our culture and the DNA of our church, more and more people would speak in tongues more and it would be more fashionable to 
to yeah. like do those things and yeah. express yourself in a certain kind of way. But that's what Paul's getting at in First Corinthians 14. He's saying, look, if all of y'all come together and y'all speak in tongues and somebody that's unlearned and ignorant comes in in your midst, he said, you're all speaking in tongues. He said, will they not say that you're out of your mind? He said, I'd rather speak five words in a known language in the mm -hmm. church than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. All that being said, he's just trying to say we need to do what's best for the body, what's best for unbelievers, what's best for lost people. How can we first and foremost present the gospel to them and get them saved and then slowly bring them into these things yeah. and teach them so that they have an understanding without scaring them off because, they, because they're ignorant and they don't get it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where we're at as a church. It's like we want the full power of God, but we want it in an orderly fashion and to me, to me, you know, I'm all for people shouting and expressing their praise to God and, and, and finding freedom in the Lord in whatever way they, they seem possible. But all I'm saying is all that glitters isn't gold. Mm -hmm. Don't look at those things as like some sort of a spiritual badge as this person. Because people come with those questions all the time. Well, I saw so-and-so shout. That, that's something that happens in church a lot. Well, I saw so-and-so shout around the altar there. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago and, and doing all this, but I know she's out doing this yeah, too. And yeah. I'm thinking, well, you know, that's not an indicator of her current walk with the Lord. She just came to church and got loose and had a good time. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And that's not a spiritual gift. Right. You expressing yeah. Yeah. yourself passionately in worship is not a spiritual gift. Yeah, that's uh, good. That's a good point. So I, I don't know if that, that brought any clarity or helped anybody at all, but that was just sort of like a little rabbit trail for us, I yeah. guess, Jeremy. Yeah, we need to... I, we need to pray for spiritual discernment in all those areas that, too. That's a huge thing in spiritual gifts yeah. that Paul is talking about over and over again because he's saying things like, "Don't despise prophecy." Uh, you know, basically, uh, eat the eat the meat, but spit out the bones. He uh, abstain from that which which is evil. But but at the same time, he's going to say things um, like. You know, you may all prophesy one by one in, in 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty one uh, that all may learn and all may be encouraged and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Literally what he's saying is, like the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. He's saying you have control over your will. If a person is doing something 99.9% .9 of the time. I'm not saying that there's not moments where God may sovereignly swoop in and just like call somebody to do something beyond. But but I but I would say that that look, if you see somebody acting or speaking some kind of way, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. It they they sense the strong impression, but ultimately how it comes out is their choice. Yeah. Uh, how they choose to respond to how the spirit is yeah. moving them. Yeah, like even like in worship, like that's me. Like I'm when well, they're playing music and everything else. It's not like the Holy Spirit's taking over my body. Like I yeah. choose to lift my hands. I choose to, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty outgoing kind of yeah. hyper guy. With if I'm playing guitar on stage or you know in worship, like I'm I move quite a like that's, sure. that's I'm not trying to get attention from from that, but it's just like I. I'm choosing to, to, to be a little bit more loose, yeah. you know, just because, and, you know, I, I give, I give other things that same kind of energy, you know, that, that are, yeah. you know, if I'm watching a ball game, a team scores, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going crazy. So I feel like I, I need to, I want to give God that same energy, not in, I don't want to never want to be distracting or kind of take away, but I do want to like, 
Yeah. Show my passion for the Lord. Well, so and to speak. that's the thing. Spirit led passion is a wonderful thing. But there's a big difference between when it is distracting and bringing attention yeah. to you yeah. or if it's powerful and bringing glory to God. Yeah. And and I think when you're in a room, you can tell the difference pretty quickly. Yeah. Like is this per, is this passionate worship that brings glory to God, or is this or is this something that's distracting that's bringing attention to this person? Yeah, I think you can. And and and, and usually that's pretty easily dis- discerned. Um, I got another. Are you going somewhere? I got another question. I don't know. I've, we've that. said so many things. There's so many things running through my mind. I don't feel like <laughs> we can get it all at once. But no, uh, a, we can make it. But I, I think what I was what I was getting at was you know that whenever whenever he talks about the people speaking he said let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge that was the discernment thing yeah like well don't judge me well guess what paul says you need to be judged in this area yeah like if you're going to function in spiritual gifts uh there needs to be judgment on you know was this really from the lord or was this from your flesh or was this something else? You know, let's weigh this in the balance to know whether or not this was a a good use of the gift of God, and if it, if it was birthed by by the Spirit or if it was tainted with something else. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's cool. And here's the thing that I'll say: you know, people get scared to well, if somebody speaks in tongues, they're supposed to interpret it, ain't they? I mean, that's just a. And I'm thinking, get as tore up about you know adultery as you do about somebody not interpreting a tongue. Yeah. Like why are you so tore up over this? But but at the point, yes, if somebody speaks in tongues in a in a in a group setting, it biblically what Paul's saying is, yeah, uh, if you got people in there that don't know what's going on, that tongue's not gonna edify anybody unless there's an interpretation. But here's the other point is guess what? Sometimes people miss it. Yeah. Sometimes people miss the tongue, they jump the gun, they give a message in tongues before they should, or sometimes somebody totally misses the interpretation or they quench the spirit on the interpretation. Yeah. And that's where we need to have grace. Yes, we gotta have grace yeah. because none of us are perfect. We're trying to learn these things. Yeah. And uh but but there's also some some guardrails that we can put in place. You know, that's why I tell people on Sunday mornings I I, I urge people to err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially when it comes to certain gifts like, you know, uh, tongues and interpretation. God's ultimately the author of those gifts, so I can't tell him when to move and when to not. But I would, like I always urge people on the side of caution, I would prefer for you to know that you know that you know that this is the Lord, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And have have a strong, because... I'm for doing what the Lord wants to do, but I'm not for you taking big risks with gifts like that that could cause potentially more confusion with people that we're just trying to introduce to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are some gifts that are more easily received, and we, when we operate in the gifts, we need to figure out ways to make them the best received among people. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how is this going to be best received and stir people up and edify the body yeah. and not just bring confusion? We need For to sure. always be thinking about those things and growing in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. Another question that's kind of, um, so when it comes to speaking in tongues, there's a couple different types, right? There's, so there's like the day of Pentecost when Peter spoke. He spoke one language. People from from all over that spoke different languages heard him speak and all could understand. Yeah. And then there's like you know what we're talking about here, like the gift of tongues in a group setting to where you receive that. There's an interpretation. That's one thing. But there's also like a, your your prayer language. So let me ask you this, Clay. Yeah. What is 
prayer language. How do you receive it? How do you know you've received it? How do you like? How how can you tell that it's not just like you randomly um, speaking some gibberish or whatever, or it's like like actually language from the Lord? Like like what's that about? Yeah. So, um, let me let me start this out by by a story so I can tell you my experience. Um, this is kind of interesting. So, you know, I'm I'm most of y'all know my story probably if you've listen for a minute um but i am living in lexington with my sister trying to honestly break addictions and really serve god and this and that and i end up having an encounter with the holy spirit in my bedroom and you know if you're if you're if you're a baptist you would have said that was my conversion yeah if you if you were a a pentecostal you would have said that was me getting baptized in the holy spirit Mm -hmm. um that like it was that post salvation experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, and if you're that middle ground, like we said before, <laughs> I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but that was a a, a separate infilling that came to empower me and set me free. Like who cares? I, I it seems it seems to me it seems to me like because and, and here's the reason I'll say this is is Pentecostals the language they use is we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, basically, that happens after salvation. And it is, and the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And there's a whole big, like, thing behind that. And I don't think evidence is good language because you preach at a whole lot and you'll have people come to the altar speaking in tongues that are having zero experience at all. Like, I don't know. There's just... I will say that I I feel like I had an experience with the Holy Spirit after my salvation. But I do think people can have full experiences of power in their salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay. But I also think that people are filled with the Spirit who don't necessarily speak in tongues. Right. And I also think that there's still more experience in the Spirit for me now. Yeah. I do think there was a marked moment on that day, honestly, when the Spirit came in a in a powerful way to empower me for ministry because before that I didn't have it whether I was saved or not and after that son I had it yeah. it was just different there was just a marked difference but the thing that I remember that day I don't really rem- I didn't really speak in tongues that day I didn't but it was it was very weird because I wasn't going to church I didn't have a background at all my background was like Catholic and Presbyterian and I was just reading the Bible for myself and um and I had read about the gifts of the Spirit and things like that, but but when that happened, um, it, I wanted I wanted to. It was like I had an innate desire to speak in tongues. It's the weirdest thing. So I start praying about it, uh, and I'm praying, and then I'm and I'm reading through these spiritual gifts, and I'm praying that the Lord would give me all of these spiritual gifts. And so I go to church one night, and here's. I, at this time, I've never hardly even went to church, and I went to a church service, and I sat somewhere in the middle, and at the end, it was just normal church service, and the pastor got done preaching, and when he got done preaching, he said, there's somebody in here that's been praying for, and he said something about the Holy Spirit, and when he said that, I mean, I felt God fall on me. I mean, it was, I don't, the Holy Spirit felt like, <gasps> just took, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I stood up. I'd never went to an altar in my life. And I had already been saved. I just got set free, man. 
So what am I going to altar for? Get resaved? No, 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 no. That ain't that ain't right. That ain't right. I'm I'm going for the Lord's leading me up here for something beyond. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like something beyond what I. Yeah. So I I I basically just floated up to the altar, my eyes wide. <laughs> I'm looking around at people like, what's going on? But I just felt the Lord all over me. Don't know how to explain it. I get up to the front and. The pastor may or may not know who I was at the time. He looks at me like he's a little bit scared of why I'm up there. Nobody else has come up to the altar. He grabs a young girl's hand and comes and puts her hand on me. And I'm telling you, at this point, the power of God is on me so strong. And I had been praying and seeking the Lord for for just answered questions concerning this. That I literally just, my knees are buckling almost like you've done a thousand squats, 350 pounds on it. Like you just ain't got no energy left in your legs. Now I wasn't a good Pentecostal, so I didn't know you were supposed to fall out and close your eyes and stuff. So I just sort of like shook down to the ground like there and sat there and looked at everybody and somebody come over and put a blanket on me and everything. And I pulled the blanket off. I was like, what are you putting this on here for? <laughs> like I, I didn't know any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't trained in the way. Yeah. And And so a woman comes up to me and says to me, she says, honey, the Holy Spirit's all over you. You might as well just go ahead and speak. And I'm like, what? What? She, what? Because it's like I want, I want to speak, but I'm not. And then you know what I do? I just act upon it, and I start to speak, and I speak in tongues. In my mind, I'm a very analytical and very critical person. So I begin to think this is me. This is crazy. This is whatever. My worst case scenario, this is demonic. Like, what in the world's going on? So I go home that night, and I do exactly what I had felt in that moment. And I just start to speak. And what I do is I start to pray. And and, and I learn, I, I realize based on Scripture that, like, for example, let's read a couple of verses. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, mm. for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And if you read in the Message Translation, which was written by Eugene Peterson, it was written by Eugene Peterson, and um, he's, he's a Presbyterian as well, and he says this, he says, Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim his truth. And notice what he says. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. Mm. That's really good. So privately, and this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if you read what he says. He says, look, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Mm -hmm. What is the conclusion then? He says, I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's saying, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my mind's not praying, my soul's not praying, I'm bypassing that dimension and I'm going straight to the Spirit, which is the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And I'm choosing to pray from my Spirit, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm mm -hmm. uttering mysteries in the Spirit to God, but I'm connecting with that part of, of, of me that is in union with God, where my Spirit is. It's really crazy stuff to think about it, it honestly. Is. 
and that but that's where your inner knower is this is why so many of the things that you receive from god are deep impressions that aren't just mm-hmm. thoughts yeah but but your mind can become a canvas for the spirit so your mind is blank and your and your spirit begins to be able to drop thoughts into your mind but you're actually connecting with that place where god speaks to you most which is in the spirit god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth and i want you to understand something about the, the gift of you know tongues for example and i think one of the reasons that god gives it to us same book first corinthians chapter 2 it says verse 13 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Notice this. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What I'm saying is is that my carnal mind when I was speaking in tongues like that was saying, dude, you're out of your mind. This is crazy. But when I went back to Scripture, I see that, no, I'm praying in the I'm uttering mysteries unto God, and my spirit is praying. And the more, the more that I did it, here's what happened: the more that I did it, the more I found like peace and refreshing and strength, and it felt like communion to God with me. And I would notice that as I pray, there would be people that came to my mind or thoughts that come to my mind that I knew were from the Lord, from the Spirit of God, and I would be strengthened by it. I would be refreshed by it, and I could just sense inwardly, Amen. The Lord's leading me here and and what it says in first corinthians 12 is that that he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself he builds himself up and so what i think paul is saying because he says ends up saying i wish you all spoke with tongues he said i thank my god i speak in tongues more than all of you but he said in the church i'd rather speak five words in a known language mm-hmm. what i think paul is saying is there's a private prayer language where you're speaking mysteries to God, you're edifying yourself, you're building yourself up, and you're praying in your in the in the spirit, and God's giving you revelation through that, and that's private because it's for you. But then in public, because you're so edified now, because you've used the gift of private tongues and prayer language, you're more in in you're more in sync with your spirit, who is in sync with the Holy Spirit, and you're able to be used and speak powerful words mm. of understanding to people yeah. who are listening. Yeah. So it's a private gift that actually empowers you to be more edified and built up to build up others in the public setting, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That makes perfect so sense. So it's a gift for your personal communion and intimacy with God in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And, really good. Yeah. And, I, and, 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 you know, beyond that, should we i mean if we're if we probably need to talk about the other two types of gifts because so so i'm praying in tongues that Mm -hmm. week next week i go back to church and honestly i'm just starting in church at that time we get done this service is over the pastor calls everybody up on a sunday night all around we we circle up all around now get this i'd been wondering if this is real or not all week and 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 questioning it doubting it thinking this is weird. Have heard so many people tell me what you know. Heard negative things about gifts of the spirit, especially about tongues. But I had experienced something. Oh God, man, I've been set free. Like, and and the Holy Spirit's doing a work in my life. I'm aware of it. I've spoken in tongues at this point. Um, and I go to church that night, and we're all in a big circle, and it gets this quiet, man, to where you could hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden, I feel what you you're talking about. This the power of God come upon me, man. My heart starts pounding, and I know I'm supposed to give a message in tongues. My heart's pounding. I'm scared to death because I still don't even know if I believe this stuff is real. Yeah. Okay, 
and and then not only that, what if I do it and then everybody looks at me and says, "Buddy, we know where you come from. You ain't nothing but a no count, yada yada." Yeah. And then like, and then it doesn't get interpreted. So you know what happens? I quench the spirit. I felt that lift up off of me. I felt the power of God lift up off of me, and I said, "Oh my Lord, I know what I've done. I felt terrible. I have quenched the spirit." I said, "Would." Lord, if that was you and you wanted me to give a message in tongues just under my breath, would you please come back? Still quiet as a mouse in the whole church. He comes back on me. My heart starts pounding. I speak out loud as an act of my will. Choose to speak. The Spirit's giving me utterance. And, and, uh, and when I do that, there's an interpretation that comes. And afterward, here's what's interesting. I don't know that it, you know, whether it happened or not, all I know is I've got three or four witnesses. But one lady who teaches Spanish somewhere at a school was there that night, and another guy who was his his primary language was Spanish. Both both went to my pastor afterward and said, "Did that boy know Spanish?" And he said, "Not as far as I know." He said, "Well, not only did he speak in very fluent Spanish, when you interpreted it, it was it was what he said in Spanish." And so I think for me that was like. A, a stamp of a, a stamp of like validity of this is this is from me mm. this is this is the spirit of god at work i don't think that's how it happens every time i think tongues interpretation usually when somebody speaks in tongues they're not speaking in a known language right. nobody understands him just like paul says but the, and that's why it needs to be interpreted mm-hmm. i think the other kind of tongues is a tongue for unbelievers like paul like they had like peter and them had on the day of pentecost and and there were they actually spoke in known languages that they could not have known that the listeners hear something about god or something that convicts their heart and says oh man this is god at work mm-hmm. And so there's those three types of tongues. There's a private prayer language. There's a message that comes, and only a few people usually are used in that gift. And when we talk about the gift of tongues, a lot of times that's what we're talking about is because in a church service, somebody out loud or or maybe in a small group, somebody out loud gives a message in tongues, and it's interpreted. But then there's that third type of, okay, you're somewhere, and you speak a known language that you couldn't know otherwise, and it convicts and convinces an unbeliever or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So those those are my three views on it there in scripture, and I think there's, I think that bears some weight based on what they say there in First Corinthians fourteen. But all right, Clay. So that uh, kind of leads into another question here uh, concerning uh, speaking in tongues, and essentially it revolves around how do you begin? So. Yeah, you read it in scripture. We've talked about uh, different types of speaking in tongues, obviously. And so, how do you how do you receive that gift? Um, how do you start in that gift? Because there's a there's an element that's like when you're praying into it. I know for me personally, that was I I kind of wanted just like the Lord to completely take over and do His thing, and yeah. I was just there. And so it felt like it was a lot of me. But then like I was wrestling with that whole idea. So so how would how do you go about beginning? And yeah. speaking in tongues. Yeah. Um, I always kind of dislike speaking about tongues so much, but, you know, it, it always, whenever you dive into the things of the Spirit and spiritual gifts, it always becomes one of the topics that everybody really wants to discuss more and more. Mm-hmm. And so they press into this. And, and <clears throat> in my testimony just then um, about my personal experience, I think it kind of reveals a little bit about what, 
I believe the truth to be about it because there are some misconceptions. Like it's almost like if you've been in circles where tongues is, uh, you know, believed and, and those types of things, that there's this impression that a lot of people give that somehow you're just like taken over. Mm. And, they're, and, and so people who are actually seeking such a gift, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit literally to just take control of them and force them to speak something out of their mouth. But one of the things that anybody needs to understand about the gifts of the Spirit, and that's the reason the Scripture says you can quench the Spirit, is that he, He's not a force that takes full control. He will never override your human will. Yeah. He comes and moves you. He gives you impressions. He leads you. He guides you. But if you do not use your own will to partner with and come into union with the Holy Spirit— then you can quench him and say no, and by your will resist the Holy Spirit, yeah. quench the Holy Spirit, and not allow him to do his work in your life. And so, like even, even just uh, yesterday, I was having a conversation with somebody about about this this thing, and they're like, "Man, I really want, I really want this gift, and I'm asking the Lord for this gift." Uh, but but I, it's like I'm waiting on him to come, and it's just like he, he doesn't come. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, how do you even begin, you know, because basically he's waiting on the Holy Spirit to completely uh, take over his tongue, essentially. Yeah. And, 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 and I was doing the same thing because I thought, well, if this is going to be God, yeah. well, then, then it needs to be completely not me, so I'm not even going to speak. I'm just going to wait until I lose control. And, and here's what I'll say about the gifts of the Spirit is, they are so in, in in our culture. Like you, there's a there's a delineation between like uh, Pentecostals and then and then churches who don't really believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And it and it and it's like it's like you're associ- you associate the gifts of the Spirit with losing control. Yeah. And and what I would say is no, the gifts of the Spirit biblically should be associated with abs- actually self control. Yeah. It should be associated with with God moving powerfully, but human beings being able to function and flow with it. And I think what happens is, really, when you think about the Holy Spirit in terms of losing control as, a, as opposed to coming into control, it's a carnal mindset. And you're over-spiritualizing something to the degree that you're actually making it more fleshly. Yeah. The fact that you want it to be something that is out of control is actually carnal and fleshly, and you're not understanding that it's a spiritual thing. Yeah. Um, I but, think that's a lot of people struggle with it too, is because that's what they've experienced. Yes, they've they only know spiritual gifts or speaking in tongues uh, from, you know, like you said, you know, seeing it kind of, you know, just out of control. And right. and I think people just wrestle with that. Yeah, and and so you know, and I told I told a guy yesterday when we were talking about this, I said, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me, but. But at some point, when you feel the impression of the Holy Spirit and you want a gift of the Spirit, like at some point, you're going to have to act upon it. In Acts chapter 2, it says, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They spoke yeah. as the Spirit gave them utterance. And somebody said, you know, like I just said a minute ago, well, you know, I, I don't feel like you can just, you can just speak like that. Uh, but it actually says, Paul said, you know, in First Corinthians fourteen fourteen, right? If you read read in there again, he said, um, "If I if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. If I pray, 
in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but mm-hmm. my understanding is unfruitful. And then he says, what is it then? He said, I will. That's his volition. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Well, see, when I go and I pray in English, do I ha- do I need like the Holy Spirit to take over? And I'm just be like, I just sit there silent. And somebody said, well, what are you doing, Clay? Well, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to take over so I can pray. No, your spirit is praying as, as an act of your will. You choose to pray in the spirit as an act of your will. You choose to pray with the understanding. You choose to pray in English. Mm-hmm. So it's a choice, but you're praying from two different dimensions. And, and it's something that God gives you to locate, honestly, where your spirit is and, mm-hmm. and it helps you to become like more more sensitive to the things of the actual spirit and your spirit because you're learning to pray from your spirit and when you choose to activate that when you choose to come into agreement with that the holy spirit dwells there and because he lives there right there's he starts to give you the utterance as you speak yeah and so they spoke in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance yeah and, and so, you know, the Apostle Paul is talking about praying in tongues a lot in 1 Corinthians 14. And that's one of the suggestions that I would make for you in your small groups because people will say, uh, you know, I just don't know if I believe that. Well, the power of the Word of God itself has, you know, it's transformative. Yeah. What you need to do is probably read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 personally. And when you come together as a small group, I would even encourage you to open your Bibles and, and just slowly, somebody out loud, read through 1 Corinthians 14. And 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 as you're reading through that, just let that kind of yeah. kind of speak to you and minister to you because the Scripture itself tends to break down like mental strongholds that we may have concerning it. Yeah. And there's you know cultural views on one side or the other denominationally that can really put up some walls as as to what the lord wants so so listen so somebody tells me i have this conversation with this guy he's really seeking the lord he 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 wants this gift he wants to be able to pray this way because he wants to develop his prayer life and the beautiful thing is like you know in uh in luke 11 for example here's what i love we've been talking a lot about prayer and in, in Luke 11, it says, verse 9, I say, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So God wants to give you gifts, but we put, our carnal mind puts so many walls up on how to receive these gifts and what our expectations are and, oh, well, we're blaspheming the Holy Spirit or whatever. There's a million different things Really, that's just trying to keep you from different commu- from deeper communion with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gift of praying in tongues. I'm not sure that you know. I don't know that it's available to everyone. But if you have a true desire and you want that gift, I mean, you need to ask the Lord. Yeah. And if you ask Him for a fish, you know, He's not going to give you a scorpion. Yeah. He's going to give you the good gift. And you're like, well, how do I know if it's the Lord? Do you think your heavenly Father's just up here, like, oh, you got to pray, you got to do more than that? You like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And and then and then make you always question whether or not it's good, whether or not it's evil. You're not trying to, you're not using that gift for any for any evil. 
Right. So, so it's a personal thing. So what one guy told me uh, yesterday was, you know, he went home because he'd been praying for the Lord to give him this gift. He just wanted to deepen his prayer life. And so he, he's alone. He says he, he feels weird about it because he's got all these mental misconceptions just like myself. But he, he's praying. He spends, you know, a, a while in prayer just talking to the Lord. And then he asked God to fill him with his spirit. And he said he was scared and he didn't know if it was right. But he took, he took a step of faith and began to speak because he had asked the Lord for the gift. Mm -hmm. And as he began to speak, at first it felt very strange, but as he, as by faith he took that step, he said he just, he really felt the presence of God come into his life in that moment. Mm -hmm. And he started to speak and he continued to speak for a while. And there were some difficulties in his mind. And he said, man, I, I you know, I, I struggle, I wrestle with it, but, but I, I just took that step. But I really, he said, I really felt the presence of God in it. Yeah. And I said, well, I would encourage you again, if you ask your father for a fish, he ain't going to give you a scorpion like like you asked, you received by faith, and you took the step. You begin to speak, and I said, the more you speak, the more the Spirit will give you the utterance. And the more the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will get involved with what your Spirit is now doing. Mm -hmm. And so you have that choice to, to speak and activate that gift of private prayer language with God. Yeah. Now, in public, right, in public, there's something, it's it's different because the Holy Spirit needs to come upon you and initiate that for you then to t make your private prayer language a public prayer language that needs interpreted, yeah. right? But, but even then, when the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, it's just an indicator that you need to activate your prayer language yeah. and speak it out loudly yeah. because never is He going to overtake you in the gift of prophecy, in the gift of healings, in the gift of miracles. He will impress you and lead you, but you must act upon those impressions and those leadings and that manifestation to then as, a, as an act of your will say, okay, and come into agreement with the Spirit and then do it as an act of your volition. That's how all the spiritual gifts function. Mm -hmm. You can't expect the Holy Spirit to completely take control of you and you just black out and say, what, you know, what happened? Yeah. That, no, this, this is a spiritual thing. So we're learning to walk with God in unison. And when the Holy Spirit is functioning most properly, somebody say, well, you know, I, I, I felt like that, that, you know, this may be God, this might be me. And, and well, when I said that, was that God or was that me? And the answer is yes. Yeah. And that's it, what you told me yes. yeah, yeah, that one time. The answer is yes, yeah. because it is both of you. Why? Because we are seeking to become one with God in the Spirit. Yeah. God should be able to, we should be able to reach a place of communion with God to where God speaks through us and it feels just like it was us. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're one with Him. Yeah. So sometimes things come out of our mouth. We don't even know why we said them, but it was the Lord going speaking through us. And obviously there are marked differences when the Holy Spirit comes in power and you just sense, man, this is the Lord, and, and I sense the Lord, and, and, it, and, it, and it really does just burn a lot of you away so that the Lord flows through flawlessly. But if we're really growing in union with God, there should be so many times when we say, is it was this mere the Lord? And the answer is, it's yeah. both. Yeah. Because we're one. And He has chosen to use us in our uniqueness, in the way that He has designed us because He's made us His image bearers. So He doesn't say, I hate the way I've designed Jeremy. I want to get him out of the way so I can take full control. 
No, what he's saying is I love the way I designed Jeremy and I want my Holy Spirit to flow through him uniquely because I put certain creative aspects in his life and there's certain gifts that I have on him that, I, that that's going to be in a greater dimension mm-hmm. of my image coming forth because I designed him to image my beauty forth in a very specific way. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah, and, it really and, is. And anyway, I don't, I don't know if... I, I don't yeah, know I love what you said there too because, you know, with some of this stuff, as, as odd as it may seem, the reality is like if you're alone in your bedroom and you're mm-hmm. praying into this and your heart is, Lord, I just want to get closer to you yeah. and I want to receive what you have for me. Like if your heart's in that position, you're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like as odd as it may feel in the moment, like your heart is you're you're going after God. Yeah. Now if you're going out in public and doing this stuff just to make a show or whatever, like yeah, you may want to check yourself a little bit. Yeah. But like, but like you said, if you're stepping into this properly and you just kind of remove the barriers that you have in your mind and you're kind of coming like you read it in Scripture, like you said, and then you just pray, Lord. You know, I, I want the gifts you have for me. I want to grow closer to you, and you're just open to that. Then there's there's nothing wrong, in, no. in, in my mind, in the, in that moment, like with you with you taking those risks and stepping into God and stepping yeah. out in faith. And in those moments, you find, like, yes, and that's that was exactly my experience too. Like at first, it's like, man, this is a little bit unique and it's a little bit odd. But you just you're you're it's hard to explain. It's something you really just have to experience. But in the moment yeah. of that, like you can. You feel the Holy Spirit. You feel your spirit. You 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 feel those two those two things growing, and you just feel this closeness and this communion with God that's just a little bit different than you just regular you know praying in English. Yeah. Um. And, and so so yeah, don't be afraid to like if you're approaching this in the from a heart of really growing with God and um. Then he, like you said, Clay, he's gonna he's gonna give you those gifts that you're asking yeah. for, and and in particular, like you said, that is such a beautiful picture. He's designed each one of us differently to function differently and to to help the body of Christ differently. Yeah. And when we're praying into this, he's gonna use these things to bless people. Yeah, and that, and that that see that initial gift of what we would call prayer language or praying in tongues is just is just. It, it's it's a gift that God has chosen to give us. Yeah, you know who will, who will receive it. If you if you're just like I don't know about that, what you know, like there's no pressure. Yeah, it, it's it's a gift. Like anybody could turn turn down a gift. You know what I'm saying? And the Lord's not mad at you over it. Like, but it's here in Scripture, and so we want to try to just discuss it and unpack it in a way that's available for for people. But like, if you just read through First Corinthians 14, and I'm not reading it, but I can recall. You know, Paul says, if any man speaks in an unknown tongue, you know, he, he, he has personal communion with God. He utters mysteries to God in the Spirit. And honestly, you know, our minds are, are you know, fallen and, and not the best for prayer. Anybody who prays understands that in their mind they lose focus. It's hard yeah. to think of new things to pray. It becomes difficult. So he says, no, I've given you this this ability, this language in the Spirit, where it literally dethrones your mind. Mm-hmm. And you bypass mm-hmm. the outer court of the body, the inner court of the soul, and you go straight to the Holy of Holies. And you're uttering mysteries in the Spirit that probably it's better that you didn't understand because you're actually praying things that you wouldn't know by the Spirit to pray yeah. that are coming to pass in your life. And you're praying out the will of God that's even beyond. The, yeah. Holy, the Holy Spirit is locking arms, according to Roman, Romans 8, with groanings and intercessions, right? And, and, and He's praying out the will of God on your behalf because you don't know how to pray as you ought. Yeah. 
Uh, that's in Romans 8, like, t- like 20, 26 and 27, if you read. Um, and, and, and then it says that we're building ourselves up. He who speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. Jude 20, my beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And there's dimensions to praying in the Holy Spirit. I do think part of it is tongues. I think, I think an aspect of it is then just being led by the Spirit in your prayer. But I told somebody, I said, you know, if I end my regular prayer life, I'll speak in tongues privately quite a bit. And, and because I feel like in that moment for me, I'm praying from my spirit and I'm getting in sync with God. I feel a peace. I feel deep personal communion with God. And my mind is open to become a canvas. So as yeah. I'm praying in, in tongues or praying in the spirit, a thought or people or things yeah. will come to my mind. Yeah. And then I pray those things out in English. Mm-hmm. And if I, even as I'm preparing like for a sermon or a sermon series, I'm praying in the spirit because I want my mind to be sort of a canvas for thoughts. And as I'm praying in the spirit, right, a a scripture verse will come to my mind, a thought, a point that I need to make will come to my mind and I'll jot them down. And then so the Lord is bubbling up this revelation of what I believe he's wanting to speak about or the sermon series that he's wanting me to go into. Yeah. And so it's, it's just a gift of deeper communion with God where we're praying out the will of God. We're building ourselves up. We're edifying ourselves. Uh, there's, there's revelation because we're speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're literally engaging in spiritual warfare. And, uh, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he, Paul quotes uh, Isaiah, actually 28, verse 9 through 12, and it's interesting because if you if you read those, a lot of commentators, you know, they'll that speak negatively of tongues, they'll say, well, you know, that's about uh, judgment coming into, um, that's about judgment coming in from Babylon and stuff on Israel, and and it was saying they're coming in with a different language, et cetera, et cetera. And I agree with that, but but see, if you read the New Testament, like, you know. Matthew, for example, will say, he prophesies about Jesus and he says, as it is written, out of Egypt I have called my son. Well, guess what? That's a scripture verse about Israel itself, mm-hmm. not Jesus the person, but yeah. they use it with double meaning. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so, and, and Paul pulls this from Isaiah to use it with double meaning. In Isaiah 28, it says, uh, verse 9 through 12, whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from the milk, those just drawn from the breast. He said, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So he's talking about teaching and having understanding from the Lord. Yeah. But then he says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And I really believe there's a spiritual reality there that, that God has the first gift he gives when the Spirit comes is what? Tongues. Acts 2, they speak in tongues. Acts, um, Acts 8, they lay hands on them, they speak in tongues. Acts 10, Cornelius, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues. Acts 19, they're filled with the Spirit and they speak in tongues and prophesy. They magnify God. All these things are happening. It's the first, It's the initial gift, and he's mm-hmm. saying, "This is the rest with which you may cause the weary of the rest, and this is the refreshing." Yet they would not hear. And for anybody that steps into this gift, I would say test it for a while and see if you don't start to sense some rest and peace mm-hmm. when you when you're praying yeah. like that. Yeah. 
And uh, so, again, we've dropped a lot on, on this whole subject, but but you just you want to, you know, if that's something that you're open to, and not everybody is like, and that's a thing. You and know. it's not a dividing thing too. Uh, right. You know, it's something I feel too is like you know there's. A lot of people from different backgrounds, and a lot of people wrestle with this in different ways. And this is like it's in scripture, so we obviously want to dive into it and and our experiences and everything else. But at the same time, like us as a body of, of Christ in our, our church, like we want to unify and come together and discuss these things. And it's like if if people feel differently about certain issues, yeah. it's not like the main thing is the main thing. Yeah. Um. And you know, there, there should not be division from this. We should be able to have, you know, conversations yeah. about it and come together at the end. Yeah. Of it. And see in, in, in the Corinthian church, if you read first Corinthians 14, it seems like in that church, what happened was they had an understanding that they had this gift where they could pray in tongues. And the problem was when they all met together, they would all pray in tongues and then the unlearned or the ignorant would come in and they'd be like, man, why is everybody speaking in a language that don't make no sense? This is crazy. These people are out of their minds. Yeah. And that's why Paul gives the admonition that if that, that, that tongues basically is for you, between you and God. But then in the church, there are moments where the Holy Spirit wants to give a message. And then he said, so let there be two or three at the most and let another interpret so that the whole church may be edified. Yeah. But people will say, well, you know, why is tongues even a gift for today if, if, if it says that it's confusing? Well, it doesn't say that it's confusing. It says, Paul says, it builds you up. You have personal communion with God. You speak mysteries in the Spirit to God. He says, if you pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful, but I'm still going to do it. He, a matter of fact, says in 14.5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. He goes on later to say, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he says, I'd rather speak five words in a known language than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue in the church, mm. which leads me to believe he's speaking 10,000 words in an unknown tongue and privately, but then he speaks five very powerfully mm, because he's edified. Uh, when he's in the church, he speaks yeah. five words in a that's known good. language. But then but then he goes on to say, you know, this is the structure and order. If, if you're going to do it in church, you need, you need to, you know, you need to be yeah. aware of people that are coming in that don't they know just what's don't, going on. They don't on. understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you need to teach it well. But then, you know, he goes on at the very end. He says, look, let all things be done decently and in order. And then he says, he makes the admonition, don't forbid to speak with tongues. And so many people, honestly, in the church have, they actually try to forbid it. Yeah. Like, don't do it. It's not good. Yeah. And he actually is saying the opposite. He's saying, no, I, it's a good thing if it's used properly. Right. right. And you have an understanding of, of, of what it is. And, uh, and, and so you're learning communion, union with God, surrendering your mind, surrendering your tongue, surrendering your body to the Spirit and allowing Him to take control in those areas. So, again, I, I would just say be open to that. Pray about it. I Honestly, at this point in my life, I, I like talking about gifts of the Spirit and, and tongues less and less and less because I almost never do it without somebody giving me some really negative feedback. Mm. And and so it's not even like it's – it's I, I can't even tell you the times I've prayed, Lord, why do we even have to deal with this anymore? I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just tired of it really. Yeah. But the thing is, is is tongues is the one that they get hung up on. But but here's the thing, like we said, there are miracles available. There's gifts of healings available. Like seek the Bible teaches us to seek earnestly the best gifts. 
well, what is the best gift? The best gift is the one that is going to bring the greatest kingdom advancement in that moment. Mm. If somebody needs a miracle, you need a gift of miracles. If, 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 if something, you know, the gift of faith, man, something that's so overlooked all the time. When, when Peter goes up, um, when, when, when Peter goes up on, on, uh, in Acts chapter three to the temple gate, beautiful. And the lame man sitting there, he'd walked by him multiple times, but all of a sudden a gift of faith manifests on him and he sees him begging for alms. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He is infused with the faith of God that just declares a statement and he knows that it's going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's, you know, it would be better, honestly, you want some in-depth teaching on all of these gifts probably to make more sense of them because you have all these different ones. Gifts of healing, I've seen people healed. Sometimes I don't know. I pray for people most of the time um, and don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. But but I know based on Scripture that I'm called to pray for the sick. So I do that. There have been times when I felt my hands get hot. And I just know, let's pray, let's pray for this person. But you follow those impressions, and sometimes you just step out even when you don't know. You know, when you have an impression, you just, you just have to take that leap of faith. You have to believe God and trust God uh, to lead you into it. And, and take a step, man. Pray for a sick person and believe God to use you. At, say, God, God, go through the list. Say, God, I want to see these gifts operate in my life. And, and then allow him to use you in them and take a leap of faith and pray for somebody and expect God to do something. Good stuff. So is that a, is that it on your end, <clears throat> Jeremy? Let's see here. Yeah, I think so for the most part. Well, yeah, that's probably that's probably plenty. We've talked about a lot, and and there's there's a lot there. I can't think of anything else necessarily. <laughs> That we should cover, like I said, you could go more in depth into more of the spiritual gifts. I I hate everybody getting hung up and focused on tongues in a negative sense all the time. I just hope that people can receive it. And if it's hard for you to receive, I th I think you know that that gift received is different for everybody. I talked to somebody the other night that was like he he you know some people don't believe that you can just pray in tongues anytime that you want, mm -hmm. and I understand that because they're waiting on that manifestation of the spirit right. before they do it. But it seems like what Paul's talking about is that there's a there's a prayer language that you can choose to use whether the Holy Spirit is the one leading you or not. Because if you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is praying through you. Mm. It says your spirit is praying, but guess what? The Holy Spirit dwells there. So when you choose to activate that and you begin to pray, right, the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you begins to kind of lock arms with you and intercede alongside of you because that's where he lives is in your spirit. Mm -hmm. And and so there's something deeper that takes place there. But there are moments like the gift of tongues, you can't just activate that on your own. You can't like to for it for it to be interpreted or for right. you to speak in a known language. That's yeah. when a manifestation of the spirit happens and it comes. So I, I get that there's people that won't agree with all of the nuances of like what we've spoken about and I'm completely cool with that. Just wrestle with it and, and, and you know, get in scripture about it. And if you have questions, I'd always love to talk about it and um and we can we can just try to push in deeper with it. But but I don't think there's a lot of pressure on it. You know, if if you're like, Man, I just don't know about speaking in tongues, is that gonna make me a second class Christian or whatever? 
No, you know, and this is what we say all the time. Like, what, what's more important? Obviously, biblically, love. I can speak mm. with the tongue of men, men and angels, and if I do not have love, it, get, it profits me absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so many people that I know, again, you know, John Piper's a good one. He says he believes in the gifts of the tongues. Dude's a more spiritual and spirit-filled man than I'll ever be in my life, most likely. But he says he's never spoken in tongues, right? So he believes it's a gift for people. He knows, like Sam Storms talks about, he does pray in tongues, He, he you know. Um, and he's in that same kind of reform camp that, that John Piper's in. Uh, like, so... People have different views. People have had different experiences. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine yeah. because it doesn't make you any better or any worse than anybody else. Right. Uh, it's just we're, we're letting the Lord move us, and we, we want to go as deep with the Lord as as we can in these things and just be open to what he's trying to teach us. And, and, I, and we all personally want the fullness of whatever the Lord wants to do with us. To some, he's going to give certain gifts. To others, he's going to give other gifts. But Lord, however you want to use me, I want to be open to that, and and let's 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 seek that out and try to do it with wisdom and pray with wisdom, and most of all, love. Love is the most important thing. Having joy in your life, peace in your life. But it's like I always say, right? If there's a five dollar bill on the ground and a hundred dollar bill on the ground, which one are you going to pick up? Both. Both. <laughs> you know, love is the hundred dollar bill. Yeah. The word of knowledge is the $5 bill. The gift of tongues is a $1 bill, <laughs> but I'm going to pick them all up if the Lord yeah. if the Lord lays them down in front of me. Right. That's my thing. There's no gift from God that I will with I'll say, "No, nah, I don't know about that, Lord." Yeah. Why? You know, I don't because there's not one negative word about any of the gifts in in scripture. Mm. Not one negative word. Uh they're all positive. Yeah. And and he says you should seek earnestly that all of them should function healthily in your life. Not all of them will. Not everybody will speak in tongues. Not everybody will manifest the gift of healing. Not everybody yeah. will manifest the gift of miracles. But yeah, you got to be open to what he wants to do because he wants to impart something to your life. Yeah, and, and for the benefit of other people too, even like going back to the Charles Spurgeon story, like he spoke a word of knowledge. And for that, that man, that particular thing was life for him that's where he was like oh okay god's speaking to me and it got him saved yeah and so we never know if we're just willing and open to press into this stuff how the lord can use it to really change someone's life yeah you may be in walmart man and you're and you're praying and open and god just impress on you go pray for that person it turns out they've got some kind of ailment and just, what if what if god breaks out and heals them right what what if and then you got this open door and 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 you can speak into the life, and they and, and it leads them to Jesus, and they're saved because yeah. of it. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, good stuff. Well, I hope uh, for those listening, I hope that you uh, have found some clarity with this. Again, it's a huge topic. We could even do another podcast at some point about it. If you do have more questions, uh, feel free to message us and um, talk to us. Would love to to meet with you or. Again, like I said, if there's enough of them, we may even do another podcast kind of diving into more more stuff about it. So, again, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully the Lord's blessed you through it and brought you into some, some deeper knowledge and some deeper revelation about these things. And So we love you. We appreciate you. Um, moving forward, we still, um, we still want to keep doing these podcasts regularly. 
we think that the, the Lord's using it in a, in a wonderful way. You guys seem to enjoy them pretty good, and so we will continue to do so uh, even as this uh, small group season wraps up and we begin a new one after the first of the year. We're going to be going through another book, which is Volume 2 um, of Kingdom Values. What was the name of that, Clay? You, um, it's Volume 2 of Kingdom Values. It's Kingdom Vision. Yeah, Kingdom Vision. Yeah, that's the next book we're going to be going through. Uh, in terms of small groups, um, but yeah, we're going to continue Start the that podcast. In February. Yeah, so we love you guys, appreciate you, and we'll talk to you guys on the next one.